It's the Score North Twin Show. He had a few things uh, going. I think it was a, just a overall, you know, nice outing for him. Um, uh, he was, uh, I think his command was was good. We've probably seen it better, but um, he, he attacked. I, I think one thing that we saw um, this series, and Sonny, you know, showed us this today, when, when you attack and you get ahead, um, you know, good things generally do follow. And then you have so many options after that. But uh, when he got out, out there and got ahead of them and wasn't afraid to use his fastball uh, against them. Wow. So many talkers just off that game yesterday. Mm-hmm. People outraged over Sonny Gray getting in. What did he have, like 80 pitches or something through six? I think he was right? just shy of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah he got he got a quick uh, hook compared to what the Twins have been doing for most of this season. And then Griffin Jacks. Was he's been really good for like three months, and then you know the bases get loaded. And then Caleb Thebar comes in, played umpire. I thought I thought he painted the corner. Quite frankly, all this technology telling me that that pitch was inside. You know, maybe you should maybe you should protect the plate when it's a full count, close game, bases loaded, huh, guy? Maybe okay. swing the bat instead of throw the bat, huh? That was all about framing, huh? Phil. That's all about framing. Did you see the glove moving? The framing. Oh, framing. It was a twitch, a little twitch. So yeah, we'll get into we'll get into a couple things off the game, and then we'll get into some bigger picture things here on our Monday State of the Twins episode of the Score North Twins Show, where we just want the Twins to win a playoff game for the first time in almost twenty years. And the show is presented by our friends at Modest Brewing. So Modest Brewing is steps away from Target Field. You can find cans available in liquor stores throughout the metro. You can go in and find all sorts of amazing. Only available in the t- the tap room beers, uh, one of the coolest craft breweries in the Twin Cities, and uh, you can go over there for a pregame, for a postgame, and then walk your butt right into Target Field or the Light Rail. The first live podcast we ever did on the Scorner Twin Show before the hiatus mm-hmm. was back in 2019 in the back room at Modest, and so we appreciate their support. And if you're a Twins fan, get on over there, go to modestbrewing.com to check out what they currently have to offer. And before we get into the state of the twins here, so this week, this is the first big organized fundraiser that we have put together here at score North in several years. Uh, it's for a cause that's near and dear to us. So my, actually I, my uncle spent time for three months after a massive car accident, rehabbing brain and other, uh, physical injuries at the courage, Kelly rehabilitation, uh, the courage, Kenny, I should say rehabilitation Institute. Um, we have, Friends who have gone through, we have former coworkers that have gone through. So Courage Kenny works with children and adults who experience life-altering injuries and disabilities, and they offer a full range of innovative rehab therapy. We are looking to raise $10,000 or more this week at scornorth.com slash bid. And for the YouTube audience, Declan has pulled these up on the screen here. So starting today on this Monday, there's items you can buy, there's items you can bid on, or you can just straight up donate if you want. On the Twins front, we have, and these are buy it nows, executive balcony tickets to an upcoming Twins game. You can hang out with us, Mackie and Judd, on the, uh, this is like all the way up, like in left field, overlooking everything, the best views of downtown. Uh, let me get the game here. It's uh, Saturday, September 23rd, 110 first pitch. Those tickets are a buy it now right now at scorenorth.com slash bid. We also have a Champions Club experience for the Saturday, August 26th game, 6-10 first pitch. Mm. You also get a full team autographed jersey by the 2023 Twins. 
It's four tickets. You can bid on that right now. Scorenorth.com slash bid. There's another buy it now. If you want to hang out with Declan uh, in the Pearl Jam suite, the Pearl Jam concert, pairs of sweet tickets, food, and some uh, non-alcoholic beverages, uh, the pairs of tickets. You get two tickets for $500. Buy it now right now. Scornorth.com slash bid. And you can listen to Declan imitate. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. So thank you uh, in advance for helping us raise at least $10,000. Are you guys ready to dive into the categories here? Yes, but uh, quickly, Phil, September 23rd, the Twins are playing Shohei Otani and the Angels. Ooh. So this is not Ooh. a this is not an American Ooh. League Central blockbuster against the Royals. Let's go. This is uh, I'm pretty excited for this game actually. That's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I I don't know I don't think I've ever seen Shohei in person. So hopefully he's uh, in the lineup or pitching on that day. Be awesome. So all right, boys. Uh, overall snapshot here. We'll start with the overall sort of picture of the Twins. They are currently 62 and 58. Still four and a half games up on the Guardians. Magic number countdown, 39 games. 39 games left until we pop champagne and put goggles on. All right, Twins offense (laughs) still ranked 17th in runs scored per game. Twins defense and pitching ranked 4th in run prevention. It's been worse in the second half of the season than pre-All-Star break, but they're still top five overall in terms of run prevention. Baseball reference gives the Twins an 89% chance to make the playoffs. Fangraphs gives the Twins a 91% chance to make the playoffs. Baseball reference says 2% to win the World Series. Fangraphs says 3% to win the World Series. And if the playoffs started today, the Twins would host a three-game wildcard series against the Toronto Blue Jays. That's sort of the uh, overall snapshot mm-hmm. before we get to the category. Mm-hmm. Right. Any thoughts? Any observations? Um, yes, I do have one. First of all, this team still is maddening because they lose three or four in Detroit, but then they win two of three against the Phillies. But I will say this, and this goes to something that you guys have been talking about for a while now, but if they can get pitching like they did the last two days, that is how you win a playoff game. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm with you, Phil. I mean, they are going, there is nothing that can happen, in my opinion, realistically now, that is going to allow Cleveland or another team from this division to overtake them. So they are going to the playoffs. And I think that the mission to end the losing streak is very plausible. Again, if you get what Pablo Lopez gave you on on Saturday, which coming off a horrific start by Dallas Keuchel on Friday was just an absolute gem, or what great gave you on Sunday, which, you know what I liked about that too? So, like, I, I came out of the game that Pablo Lopez pitched on Saturday, and I thought, okay, game one starter right there, right? Like, he's pitching well enough right now to be the game. And Sonny, who's very competitive, is like, no, 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 sports dad, screw you. I'm the game one guy. So I actually sort of like that. You got two great, great pitching performances against a team that, you know, through Friday was crushing the baseball. So. I can see the formula. I still don't think that they can win a series, but they could definitely win a game if you get something like what you saw Saturday or Sunday against what is a good team. I'm still so perplexed as to how you can watch what happened this weekend, say what you just said, which is, oh, Pablo Lopez could be a number one starter. Ooh, Sonny Gray could be a number mm-hmm. one starter. But then you're like, but I still can't see a path to them winning two out of three games against the Blue Jays. Because I don't think that they'll get two starts like that. I think they can get one. 
So th- this is a good segue into the first category, which is what would your current playoff rotation be? Who would be mm. who would be your number one, two, and three starters in what order against the Blue Jays? Mm. All three games, third game if necessary, at Target Field. So I'm going Pablo one. Oh. I, I think he's your best pitcher. I just flat out think like he is your I like Gray a, a lot of times, and there is definitely some dog there with Gray. But the one thing that uh, the, the one thing that the one thing that scares me, and and look, I think he's an ornery cuss. Like I like that. <laughs> But the one thing that scares me with Gray is there are times when he probably should be smart, and he's like, "Screw it, I'm I'm going to stick with my plan." Um, and so I think Pablo is more of a flat line guy. He's super competitive, but he's he's more he's a guy I would want pitching ga- game one. Uh, I would then have Gray pitch game two. Game three is an interesting question. Is it Kenta Maeda? Uh, He's pitched it can't be Joe it. Ryan right now unless he comes back and looks like he did pre-injury that he had. Yeah. I mean, he's been no. damn good. I know he, he had the one train wreck start, you no. know, a couple months ago. But. I think you're right. Dex, what do you think? Uh, I would go Sonny one. Okay. I want the bulldog. I want the guy who knows what he's doing. I want the guy who goes rogue a little bit. And it's not someone that's randomly, like if Bailey Ober decides to go rogue in a playoff game, we got problems. I think Sonny Gray, who is, what, 10 years of service time, basically, pitched a little bit in the postseason, that attitude and that mantra he has, I want that to start my series. I do. Um, I would probably then go Pablo, too, obviously. And if Joe Ryan comes back and is looks like Joe Ryan, then he's game three. But you can't make that assumption, I think, right now, just doing the state of his injured injury situation. But I would flip it from what you said. I want Sonny Gray on the mound for game one. Yeah, I you know I wouldn't really fight. I think your 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 number one and number two stars are Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray, mm-hmm. and you both make good arguments. I think there's, I I wouldn't if the Twins decided to line it up. Sonny Gray number one. Sonny Gray has probably had overall the best season. You know, uh, he's pitched in. He has started four playoff games in his career. They've all gone up. Three of them have gone fairly well. Uh, He's got two wins. One of them was kind of debatable. He walked a bunch of guys, but you know, so he's done it. Like he's done it before a couple times here and there. I don't know that that really matters as much. I think I would probably just go Sonny Gray game one because if you get the best version of him, I think if you got the best version of every starting pitcher, I think Sonny Gray is your best. And then, so I would hope that I get the best version of Sonny Gray in game one. Then I'd have like the stability of Pablo Lopez in game two. If I needed a game three, I, I might even choose Maeda over Joe Ryan. Just because I feel like Kenta Maeda, he just seems so flatline, man. Like he, it just feels like he's gonna go out there and give you. He gave you the five solid innings against the Astros a couple of years ago in a playoff game. Um, you also, if you need, you got Randy Dobnak in reserve if you need some playoff experience for Game Three. Oh, I don't know. God. We haven't thrown his God, name yes, out there. Pitching in a town ball. <laughs> what are you trying to get the show canceled? Uh, he's he's got some playoff experience. Yeah, he's great but, with oh, the Saints. God bless him. He's exactly where he belongs. What if Joe Ryan comes back and he looks like the Joe Ryan from the first two or three months of the season? Game then, three. then what? Game three, and then Maeda's like your yep. your rover. Okay, yep. it's interesting though. Like you bring up Maeda being a flatliner, I I feel like, and I don't know, you're trying to insinuate this point, but he he's much more of a bulldog, and like he wears his heart in his sleeve when he's on the mound. Like if he gives up a hit, he gets pissed. Like he he's not, I think, Sunny Gray level, but he's much more of an animated pitcher, which is fine, by the way. Yeah. I like that in a playoff game. I would actually like I would consider Joe Ryan more of a 
flat line. I feel like his mood doesn't change whether he's pitching a gem or getting rocked. I think I mean more like his performance is more of a flat line. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That you kind of know. I know he gave up. He probably has the worst start of any of these pitchers. Maybe not. Joe Ryan had a couple where he gave up 14 home runs or whatever. But, like, um, I think you kind of know, hey, Kent Amaya is going to find a way to get you, like, five or six and give up three or less. And could you work with that? And to me, there's a chance that Joe Ryan could get knocked out in the second inning because he gives up five home runs. He's tipping pitches or something. Oh, yeah, that, that has to change. You get the best version of right. Joe Ryan, That's and then you, he pitches a freaking yes. eight-inning gem with yes. 14 strikeouts, right? Yes. So, okay. But, th- but like, laying it out that way, there th- th- you can see why there are clearly paths to doing something in October, which brings me to the next category. Jim Suhan calls out people like Judd in his column. Yeah, which is funny because a month ago he wanted to fire everybody. <laughs> so let's let me read this because I, I feel like I feel like each of these could be literally directed right at Judd. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this and you can, you can react, right? Mm-hmm. Snooty Twins fans could use a <laughs> dose of realism and ought to chill a bit. Somehow the Twins putting themselves on pace to enter the playoffs with a strong rotation and a rising ace in Pablo Lopez is not good enough for some fans. The most celebrated men's professional sports team in Minnesota history is the 1987 Twins, who won Minnesota's first major championship. That team won 85 games. Then the 87 Twins, with two reliable starting pitchers, won the World Series and buzzed through the postseason. These realities do not seem to be registering with a horde of dissatisfied Twins fans who loudly lament their team's inability to run away with the division title. Go ahead, Minnesotans, turn up your noses at a potential division winner. When your state is awash in championships, you have every right to be snooty, right? Judd? You know, I'm trying to find it because there there was the back-to-back Suhan columns. Uh, let me see if I can find this here. There's the back-to-back Suhan columns. I want to say it was in, yep, in July, at which he talked to Joe Polad, who talked about urgency and then he followed it up with a column basically saying this team is lost this team is in deep trouble and then he followed that up with a column saying after a decent trip i believe i take it all back and now he's turned on the fan base and look first of all i don't know that the most celebrated team is the 87 team the most celebrated team might be the 91 team first of all but second of all, and I've talked to our friend uh, Tom Bernard on his show about this before because he was mm-hmm. around and a huge Twins fan in 87 and 91, okay? The difference was in 87, that team was a young team coming up and like starting to reach and fulfill its potential. And that team was a lot mentally tougher than this team. Herbeck, Gaetti, Pocket, Brunanski. So. So, yeah, exactly. And, yes, they had two pitchers. And, look, I nobody has said, I don't think, especially us, a bad word for the most part about the starting pitching, right? The starting pitching for the 2023 Twins has been, for the most part, fantastic. Yes, it's fallen off since the All-Star break some, but that regression is natural. But far more importantly is that this team has been maddeningly inconsistent. They've been swept by the Royals. They have lost three or four to the Tigers, not once, but twice. And so I don't think that it is anyone's business to basically rip the fan base. If this team makes a playoff run, good for them. But nonetheless, 
the 87 team was far more endearing. It was far more of a, that team used the Metrodome to its fullest advantage, which, you know, back in the old days, Phil, on our show, Smalley and I argued about, because I said, you guys wouldn't have won the World Series without the Dome. Uh, this team, yeah. to me, has been far more frustrating, and I'm not about to back off my contention until we see way more consistency. I'm not about to back off my opinion that the starting pitching's been good, but this team has to consistently score runs. It has to do far more. It has to not play dumb games. I'm not backing off that. No way. I would say, which is what I've been harping on, is we know that they're in position to win the division. We know they're in position to most likely go to the playoffs and snap a playoff losing streak. In terms of them competing with the big dogs, Texas, Baltimore, and then the National League, which is completely loaded with Atlanta, who's probably is the favorite. Like they are, there is a clear gap between the Twins and those five teams. But I do think it is completely obtainable for the first time in twenty years to win a playoff game, and that might be a low bar. That's very sad, but that's what my bar is at in terms of them being serious as World Series contenders. Yeah, I have numerous questions that we've all laid out. But I, I see the path to them getting to the playoffs and winning a playoff game. And to me, it's all gravy after that. Yeah, I think where there's a couple things on this. I think where there's still a lot of hope uh, in terms of like winning a series or making a run is in addition to having reliable starters that we just talked about and a lights out closer. You've got the bones on the run prevention side to hold a team to three runs. The lineup that could go score five or six or 10 or whatever it is. By the way, they haven't scored more than five runs in a playoff game also since 2004. Wow. That 0 that 18 stretch, I don't think they've scored more than five runs offensively God. in any of those games. Maybe, maybe Declan, you can look that up before oh, the show's over. Actually, I'd check that out, would you? Why don't you look that up? Started for us, game okay? two. Was it a lefty? Was it a righty? Declan, maybe you can does look it, that does up. It, does it matter? But. We haven't seen the fully realized version of this lineup yet. We haven't seen like I, I want to see Kirloff back. And again, what's the percentage chance that all of this is even able to come together before the end of September into October? I don't know. Right. I want to see Kirloff back. I want to see Royce Lewis back. I want to see those guys in the lineup with Julian, with Matt Walner, with this version of Max Kepler, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Carlos Correa finally sort of, you know, these are ifs. Byron Buxton, like the, the, but that's where the hope comes from that, my God, there's still a lot of room for this lineup to actually be that 87 twins lineup in the regular season was actually a top 10 offense. That was a top 10 run scoring offense. So who is this? This team has better pitching. That team had a better offense. That team also had Curry freaking pucket, right? Mm-hmm. Right. A hall of famer at the center of the order. Heartbeat Kent guy. Herbeck's not Kent Herbeck, not a hall of famer, but one of the great players in twins history. For 10 years, one of the best hitters in baseball. Who is the Kirby Puckett? That's what we need right. to identify to really start comparing this team to the 1987 team. And if you can find me the Kirby Puckett between now and October, I will I will entertain the 87 discussion much more aggressively. It's supposed to be Correa, right? It is supposed to be Correa. Or Buxton. But it could be Lewis. But it could be Lewis. Could be It could be Kirloff. That's a lot to put on, on that plate, though, at, at this point in time. I mean, Puck came up in 84. So Puck was three years in. Like that's the thing is, can you can you say to Kirloff or Lewis, "Hey kid, you're the man." I mean, that's just a lot to, to ask. And I like those guys, um, but yeah, when when you have look, when you have Herbeck, Gaetti, Puckett, Brunanski at the time, um, th- that team had a lot of good parts. So yeah. I find it I find it difficult to compare them. 
And especially when the consistency from your highest paid player has not been there. He's had some nice little stretches, but like, can you put that together? Score some runs too, because it's not fair too to basically send out Lopez or Gray and say, okay, it's the Blue Jays, shut them down. Like there has to be a give and take there, right? Well, go score. This is and again. This is what they haven't done. As you said, five we runs. talk about do they do do they have the pitching or do they do this? Why don't you just score? There's no rule against just going and scoring eleven runs in game two. But what you just said, how about five or six? Well, it's crazy. You're right. Like the o, that O six team with that was one of the best lineups in Twins history. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do it. Well, the nineteen team, the nineteen team, the greatest home run hitting team in baseball in history. Like, but and two games, go, go score nine runs and go two score games nine runs. in Yankee Stadium. So in 04, yeah. they, in the losing efforts after winning game one, they scored, job, Declan. they scored six in 12 innings in game two. They scored five <laughs> in 11 innings in game four of the series clincher. Since then, they have never scored more than four runs in a playoff game. More than four. More, I said more than five. So more, more than, than four. four. Never scored wow. more than four. Yeah, dude, that is. But on the pitching side. Yeah. No, pitching been pretty bad, too. That's ins- dude. That's that's almost more insane than losing eighteen playoff games, not having scored more than four runs in a playoff game, and like go lose eight to seven or something, right? Yes, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yep. Uh, you know a guy who might be able to help with that. Our next category, Joey Gallo, with one of the best games of his career on Saturday. People were upset that he didn't then play on Sunday, but you know. It was a left-handed starting pitcher, right? So, so I want to give you guys, I want to give you guys some bizarre Joey uh, Joey Gallo stats here, updated here. I'll give you the good, the bad, and the weird when it comes to Joey Gallo. Well, let's start with the good. Joey Gallo went four for four on Saturday, only his second multi-hit game since the middle of May, mm-hmm. and he busts out with four hits. Mm-hmm. He leads the Twins with twenty home runs. And his OPS is higher than Max Kepler, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, and Jorge Polanco. So I get it, and we'll get to the bad and the weird. But if I had told you before the season, hey, we're going to be halfway through August, and Joey Gallo is going to lead the Twins in home runs and have a higher OPS than Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, Jorge Polanco, and Max Kepler, would you take it or leave it? I think all of us would have said, oh, my God, without context. Right, right exactly. We, yes. we, we would have said... We would have said, oh, God, that's amazing. We're getting, like, peak Joey Gallo. This is great. All right, the bad. Yes. 42% of his plate appearances are strikeouts, which is by far the worst in Major League Baseball. The next closest is 38%. So nobody else is above 40%. He's at 42%. His 185 batting average is the fourth worst among Major League Baseball regulars. He has four RBI on non-home runs this season. Four RBI on non-home <laughs> runs. Runner on third, you know, can you hit a fly ball, hit a ground ball? How about a runner on second, maybe a base hit to shallow left or something? None of that happens with Joey Gallo. Wow. And then I'll give you the weird. So here's his uh, pie chart of hits by category. 20 home runs this year, 17 singles, nine doubles, and a triple. So he has more than twice as many home runs as doubles. He has three more home runs than singles. Mm-hmm. When the bases are empty, Gallo's OPS this season is tw- 200 points higher, almost. 
almost 200 points higher than when there are men on base. So when you get a bases empty Joey Gallo, buy that. it's go time. Yep. Let's go. It does feel like that. Yep. In terms of uh, what happens when he hits a fly ball this year, so if he, if he can make contact, 26% of Joey Gallo's fly balls are home runs this year. <laughs> Dude, think about that. When he hits a home run, there's a one in four chance. So if he makes it's, contact, it's gone. If it's he gone. makes contact yeah. and gets the ball in the <laughs> air, it's probably going one, out. Two, three, four. Yeah. He still has zero sacrifice flies this year. He only has three career sacrifice flies. And I had some people on Twitter ask me, what's the context of that? Like, how many sack flies do people hit? So he has three for his career. There are 40 hitters this year only. This year, without counting their careers with at least five sack flies in the 2020. How's that even so possible? It, I don't dude, know. It's His everything profile about him would scream so sacrifice fly at times, right? Yeah. Go hit a fly ball like somewhere. To the with running track. Base. Yeah. It's crazy. So I don't know. That, that's the good, the bad, and the weird it's, with Joey Gallo coming off one of the best days of his entire career on Saturday. It's been like a weird drug trip. I'm set for it to end <laughs> after this season. <laughs> Are you mad that they didn't just... Keep riding the hot hand, throw him out there on Sunday. Who cares no, who the starting pitcher? No, 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 no. I saw no, some no. outrage there. Really? I've no. I've seen enough that I that's one I actually don't mind at all. Okay. Not playing him, I should say. Yeah. No. Good for him for going four for four. That was amazing. But uh all right. And then uh another category here. And if you guys have other things before we get to Immaculate Grid, feel free to throw them out. But I think it's time to circle back on a guy that we all kind of left for dead. Mm-hmm. Emilio Pagan. So you guys all wrote him off. I don't know. I've always been a big fan. Yeah, you were taught last season. You're like, just be patient. Derek calls me all the time to talk about him. Yep. So he now has a 3.20 earned run average, his best since 2019. He has a career-low home run rate allowed, only four home runs allowed all season after allowing 26 combined in the previous two years. And since June 15th, the last two months, he has a 1.54 earned run average over 24 appearances. Now, I will add, for context, when the Twins are ahead, Pagan's OPS allowed is 400 points better than when the Twins are, uh, or I'm sorry, it's 400 points higher or worse Yes, than when the Twins are, uh, than when it's just are behind. So he's really good when they're behind. Up. He's really bad yeah. when they're ahead yes. by 400-point OPS. Including that but, Dodger Grand Slam, right, that he allowed back in, yeah, was that early. May? Yeah, it was early. It was like April or May. Yeah, yeah I think it was May. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's been in the role that they put him in here. He's been what they've wanted him to be for three years. He's finally the version of himself that they thought they were getting yep. when they acquired him. We should at some point in time here soon do on our twin show a playoff trust tree, though. Like, who do you trust in a playoff game? Because, like, Pagan, I'd still be like, oh, yeah, he's done some good things. But when the pressure's on, he's uh, melted down at times. I don't know that despite the fact that uh, statistically he has been far improved from a year ago, I don't know Emilio Pagan would make my personal twins trust tree in a postseason game. No, if you needed, let's say you're down uh, five to two or something and you, and you're, you're probably going to lose the game and you need a guy to go two innings so that your actual good relievers oh, yeah. can, can be preserved for game three. Yep. Then that, that should be his role, right? Yes. I'm saying up by, let's say you're up by two, you know, late game playoff game pressure. Like my trust tree would not involve Pagan. It would pro- I would probably no, I wouldn't probably. I would 
despite his struggles on Sunday, put Griffin Jacks before Pagani for sure. Yeah. Caleb Thielbar for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's been great since he came back. Mm-hmm. Feels like he's been really on point. And then maybe the maybe the guy from um Dylan Floro or whatever might fall into that category yeah. above Pagan. Uh, I think if you give him like two more months, I think you'd put him above Pagan. It's better than Jorge Lopez, granted. That's a very low bar. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not a hard yeah. hard bar to reach. So by the way, speaking of Thielbar, uh what was your guys' take on Phillies fans, I mean, it was like outrage. 42,000 announced attendance, outrage. I get it. It was definitely a bad call. But, dude, it's a full count. You know, that's a that's a pitch that's yeah, foul mo- pitch like moving across the plate. Like, yeah, foul pitch off. But, but when, when dude slams his bat, Philly fans are going to jump on that, right? Because he incited them. Like, he literally took it. He, he did the Little League Babe Ruth Teenage yeah. kid pissed off. He literally he he didn't like throw his bat. He like took it two handed, slammed it, and then I think he slammed his helmet too. So I think the fans were incited there. And then the guy kept calling some strikes, and they just got more and more pissed off. Yeah, I think you know if I could like be objective here uh, for a moment. If this were flipped around, I do think my commentary would be: Why are we still flipping coins on these pitches when we clearly have the technology? Right. You know, if, if we've got the technology to even challenge it, why don't, why don't, why can't each team get like three challenges? Like in tennis, you can challenge Which, a call. I think we're going to get that next year. I, I don't think that they're, I think we're a few years away f- from the fully um, robot, robot umpire system. But what, Declan, is it on the weekends now that yeah. they do the challenge in yeah. AAA? There's a, I there, think we get that. There's literally, actually, I sat in that person's seat. For the Saints game I covered on Wednesday, there's just a spot that just says reserved for the automatic ball and strike guy in the press box on the farthest left side of the main media. You side. took a seat? Well, it was why Wednesday. wasn't why why weren't they there? They're not there. They're only there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They're not there. Feels like they get it feels like there's like an odd place to cut to no. cut the budget. No. That's weird. And, and then you took the chair. So like if chair. that person tried to come in and do their job, it's well, you know, Declan Goff with Chip, the scoreboard. Chip Scoggins got there. You know, it's a one o'clock first pitch. I think Chip got there at 1030. You know, he got he the first he got the first Chip. seat. And then there is, you know, a couple other independent. That's late for Chip, by the way. Yeah, that is late for Chip. And his phone was charging the whole time. You know, can't he have... tried to get in at 7 a.m., but the doors were locked. Oh, <laughs> believe me, he's done stuff like that before. <laughs> the airport's the so, best chipper of all time. We got to go. Got to go. We gotta go. It's like five a.m. Not for two it's days. Like, we gotta go. We gotta I'm get a, there. I'm a chip. I'm a chip on that one. I don't disagree with him, but I love an early airport. Oh boy, leaving two hours. But if you, if you're like a beat writer or a columnist who's traveling, you should have TSA pre-check or yeah or something. This was to, before that, though. Yeah. So like th- this was before that existed, and so Chip would just get get there at like if if it was a seven forty five flight, five a.m. ish. I love it. Like, we oh got there God. a few times. The airport was not open yet. <laughs> it's like, you know, the airport opens in 15 minutes. We we once had to wait in Charlotte. We once had to wait across the street in a vacant parking lot for the rental car return place to open. <laughs> God, that's great. Chip, our flight's not till Saturday. It's Tuesday. Why are we? Why are we? I yeah, love him. We got to go. He's one of the great guys go. of all time. Love him. Oh, he's amazing. Yep. So, all right. It's, uh, it's almost time for the Immaculate Grid Challenge here on the Scorner Twin Show, presented by our friends over at Livia Judd. Uh, tell the audience how they can get in the best shape of their life and lose weight here the rest of the summer. Well, for, 
First of all, congratulations to our friends because they were just named Minnesota's best weight loss program for the third consecutive year. Oh. That's right, three consecutive years. Round of applause. That's three years gold and 14 years of changing lives. Three years gold also means that this is the offer today, a limited time offer, so listen closely. Three months free if you join today. That That's right. We have heard from a bunch of people who watch or consume our Score North content, who have followed the lead of Sports Dad and joined a program that works. And every one of them has come back and sent us notes and said, this program works. It's fantastic. And not only do they help you drop those unwanted pounds, they help you keep those unwanted pounds off. And that is the most important thing. So, again, three months free, limited time offer, award-winning program that you can join, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A dot com. Find out why they have been named Minnesota's best weight loss program three consecutive years, Livia.com. Also, hey, the Twins play most of the rest of the month at home. They've got a five-game homestand against Detroit, and so it starts tomorrow, a little two-gamer against Detroit, and then Pittsburgh over the weekend, a quick trip to Milwaukee for two games next week, then back home for seven against Texas and Cleveland so some huge games Ooh, the rest of the month here. And you can get tickets, twins.com slash tickets, twins.com slash tickets. Royce Lewis might be coming back uh-huh. here pretty soon. And huh? and w- one of those two Detroit games, if I'm not mistaken, they are going to honor Miguel Cabrera on his final trip oh, to right. Target Field. Dude, Rocking chair, rough. perhaps. Have you looked at that dude's stats this season? Yeah, he, he many, actually had a many decent series against get? the Twins, but he it's yeah, it's been really, really rough. Guess how many home runs he has? Nine. Five. Uh, Miguel Cabrera has one home run this year. Oh That's sad. God. Well, I mean, this is where David Ortiz it's was a really genius. Bad. David Ortiz walked away really good. Dude, he, okay, so he, had, he hit his 500th home run two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah, what great power. He, he has 508 home runs right now. That Apple power. <laughs> Back God. in his heyday was so impressive. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's but, yeah, but it's it's, sad. it's literally been no, like this... he so he was kind of an honorary all star last year, but if you yeah. take that away, he hasn't made an all star game in eight years. Wow. But you know, you pay a guy thirty million dollars a year for He's not gonna walk away. But this is the Zolgad no, plan. No, this is why the Zolgad plan is in place. For the What's love of the God, plan? for the exactly. love of God, you walk away, reti- you're walk away. Powers and you're not Peyton Manning fluttering David, football. David Ortiz, one home run. you remember his last year was inspiring, and the Sox are like, stick around, man. And he's like, nope, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, Cabrera's like, I don't Cabrera was, this. Co- dude, he was literally cooked six years ago. And yeah. he's like, the contract. well, I got about $190 million left on my contract yeah. here, so I think I'll, I think I'll just keep playing. Sad. But, uh, yeah, he'll be at Target Field. You can watch him kind of. Uh, I think he's going to get a rocking chair or something. Yeah, are you tired? You just drew a walk and you're at first base. You want to give him a rocking call time chair. out here? Take five? Pick him off. All right, here's what we're going to do, boys. We are going to put six minutes on the clock six. by popular demand. All right. Enough people have reached out saying, why do you guys put a five-minute limit on it? Well, because we would sit here all day trying to figure out, did you guys do the one yesterday? Where it was yes. like, find a royal who was a tiger, and there yes. is none. Uh, who did Omar I have? Infante Omar was, Infante. Omar Infante. Most... I think is that. I think I did get that one. I think Pat Sheridan was too. So I, uh, I had a, I think it was a fifteen rarity score with one square to go, and it was the Royals. It was a hard a one. Royal who was a tiger. 
Yes. And I couldn't, I couldn't think of any. Yeah. And so I, I just, I lost. I had a, dude, I had a 15 rarity score going into that last one. You can see the rarity score now before you finish? You can add it up. You can see the, you can see the percentages when you choose someone. Oh, I didn't know that's how, okay, I got it. I don't know. A rarity score is literally, it's, it's literally the percentages added up. Oh. How about that? The more you learn. So here's what we're looking to do. The more you know. We're looking to fill nine squares here. We're going to put six minutes on the clock because it's more than five minutes, but it's not an hour. And we'll go from there. So we need a Yankee who was a guardian, a Yankee who was a a Washington Nat. Or Expo. Or Expo. And then a Yankee who stole 30 bags. Oh, I, I got that one. I got that too. Okay. We need a Ray who was a guardian, a Ray who was... A Nat or an Expo, and a Ray who swiped 30 bags. Got that. And then we're looking for a 200-hit Guardian, a 200-hit Nat or Expo, and a 200-hit season that was also a, that also had a 30 stolen base season yeah. at some point. All right. Six minutes on the clock. We must go nine for nine to be immaculate. Here we go. If I may suggest for the Yankee who also played for Washington slash Montreal, John Wetland. W-E-T-T. Whoa, dude, I love that Great one. closer. That's a great one. Dirty hat. Really yes. dirty hat. Yes, he did, but he, that should not be big on uh, percentage. 2%. Uh, how about great. Carl Pavano for Yankee and yeah. Guardian? There you go. I love it. It's a really good one. Nice work, nice work, nice work. I got okay. this. Oh, 0.2. 0.2, wow. Let's go. A Yankee who stole 30-plus th- bases, Ricky Henderson would be one. Brett Gardner. Oh, so I thought. Which yeah. one's more? Which one's going to be more rare? There. That depends on the. I would bet Brett because Henderson. People know Henderson stole a bunch of bags, even though yeah. he is. I'm just old thinking school. they they might have forgot that, that he played there, but that's fine. Yep, just for Go. fun. I, I don't think we should use it, but before his knee injuries, did Mickey Mantle ever swipe thirty bags? I don't know. We don't have to. We don't have to use it. Yeah, I'm that just seems wondering. very very dangerous. Babe Ruth. <laughs> Dude, he might have stolen some. Bags. There's a hot dog at second base, babe. I'm going to I'm get going it. To it. I'm gonna get it. Damn it. Uh, okay. All right. Brett Gardner's fine. Gardner. I I saw an image of uh, there was like an old. I follow these old. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do Gardner. Nineteen. Nineteen percent. Yeah, I think okay. Ricky Henderson. There was a photo of Babe Ruth knocked unconscious running into a concrete yeah. wall in a stadium. Yes. And they said That's it was the like the photo. third the third inning of game one of a doubleheader. He came back in the game and then played all nine innings of the second game. Yeah. They revived him on the field. I remember that one. Uh, I can Kevin Kiermaier ever steal 30? BJ Upton is who I BJ Upton. Say. Okay. Or Melvin Upton, whatever he's listening Carl to. Carl Crawford? Crawford for sure. Let's go BJ Upton. Okay. 16. Okay. Uh, a Nat who, how about, a, let's do these Rays here. All right. We got four minutes left. Uh, Fernando Rodney pitched for both yeah. these clubs. I think you're right on that. that. Rodney, we go with Fernando. 14. Huh. Yeah. That's 14 interesting. That? That's more than I thought. Okay. How about right. a Guardian? We can knock out some 200 hits here, too. So Expos. So did Larry Walker did ever Did play for Tampa Bay? Uh, uh, not Tampa. Uh, uh, I don't know. If I'm maybe. There. I can't okay. say with confidence. All right. Kipnis might have had a 200 hit season, actually. I. Kipnis was good. Kenny Lofton. Lofton Kenny Lofton would have had 200. Who else can. I mean, Carlos Baerga. Did. um. Roberto Alomar. 200 is yeah, a lot. Yeah, but it, it like, wasn't. It's but, a lot. But to it's got to be top of the order, guys. But to Phil's point, it didn't used to be like as like now it's yeah. a lot. 
But like th- these old school guys that Phil is t- talking about did it a lot more frequently. That is correct. So, yeah. are we pretty confident on Kenny Lofton? Yeah. Okay. He let off and he batted 700 times a year. Well, okay. 50. 50%. Oh that, so, okay. So that tells me that there's pro- like, I bet Kipnis or like Grady Sizemore didn't do it. Yeah. Grady. Okay. Those are more recent players. I, I love Grady. Hell of a player. How about a, a national or an expo with 200 plus hits? Did Delino DeShields ever do it? Larry Walker? I think Vlad probably was safe. Vlad, if the expos. Vlad had to have. Vlad Back had in the 90s? Yeah. With the Expos, I mean, he was their team. Those Expos teams were, were good, too. Vlad? Yeah, it's got to be. Sure. He's got it. 83. 83. Oh, boy. Jeez. I bet Larry So Walker, the rarity, our rarity score sucks here. But. Yeah, it's been shot down to hell. A 200-hit season who also had a 30-plus stolen base season. Now, that can be in different seasons, yeah, right? It's just a Pete, player who had both. Did Pete so. Rose steal 30-plus bases? Because he definitely Probably. had Ichiro did 200 hits. Ichiro, we could get it. We could. Can we show off here a little bit? Can we get obscure? We have two minutes left. I think I like Walker, Judd. Didn't we use him for um, Larry Walker? Yeah, didn't we use him for another stolen base one that we were like shocked by? I remember. I, I'm having deja vu over that. He was a he was a great <coughs> base runner. Yep. Larry Walker. Yep. Let's try it. Let's get dirty. Larry Walker. All right. Yeah. Oh, 0.3. Oh, wow. Let's go. Let's go. Awesome. And now we just need a Ray who was a guardian. Rajai Davis? Rajay Davis. I don't know if Rajay. He, play uh, he played for Cleveland. I don't know if he played for Tampa. I'm trying to think of twins. Did Jason Bartlett go to Cleveland? No, I don't oh, think man. so. What about random relievers? Um, Casey Blake ever play for the Rays? No, I don't think he did. Dodgers. I, when I look that up, I don't think he was ever a Ray. This is a hard one. Um, uh, trying to think of like way back. Was like there any like, Rays? Oh, is this an Edwin Jackson situation for us too? I so he was. He definitely pitched for the Rays, right? I don't. No, if he pitched for the Guardians, though. I don't think the Gardos had an Edwin Jackson. Uh, uh, stop. Was there any? <sighs> um, I'm trying to think of position. Scott Casimir. Oh, uh, oh. What's his name? Uh, who's the stud? Uh, Corey Kluber. Didn't Kluber pitch for the Rays? Oh, good call. Yes. Yes, he did. He did? Yes. He spent. A, I think he spent a year there. He spent a year Like three Texas. years ago. Yep, but then I think he bounced to the Rays and the Red, and the Yankees and then the Red Sox. Now I think Phil nailed it. Kluber? Yep. We're good. All right. Yep. Pulling the trigger. Or, or, or not. I don't know. We'll find no, out. I think you got yes. it. No, no. Let's go. You got it, dude. Good call. Let's go. Good call. What was there Kluber's you know, percentage, by, by the way? What? Uh, oh, wow. Dude, the the average score was 5.4, which this is one of the hardest immaculate grids that we've ever seen. But, okay, yeah, there's only four Expo Nationals that have ever done that, so that's going to yes. automatically like put you in a tough spot. Okay. Wow! Yeah, dude, the four hundred, the, the two hundred hits. It doesn't happen anymore because guys strike out way more often. Yeah, they walk. But it way used more to often. happen. There's way more often. Yeah. Can you take a peek at the who are the four? Does it show you for the? Let's see. It's not going to be for the YouTube audience here. It'll just uh, be your own Vlad, Jose Larry Walker, uh, Vidro, Jose, Jose Vidro. Yeah, Vidro, dude. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Jose Vidro. Oh, yep. Grudzalanic, Mark Grudzalanic, Mark Grudzalanic. If we ever need an expo who was a Dodger. Loved Al Oliver. Al Oliver. I loved Al. Number zero. Mm. Mark. What about the eight Rays who stole 30? Eight Rays. Did Jason Tyner steal 31 time for the Rays? Well, uh, Wander Franco did it. 
Uh, um, Randy Rosarena, BJ Upton, Desmond Jennings. Man, I Desmond Jennings. He was a great oh. fantasy baseball. Uh, Bartlett did. Mm. Jason oh, wow. Bartlett did. Carl oh, Crawford, Julio Lugo. Mm-hmm. Oh, Julio oh, Lugo. Great and you know who did it in 2001? I had no idea. Jason Tyner. Oh, wow. I told you. I, that's what I said. Jason Tyner. Oh, did you say Tyner? Good... Wow. I, I mean, I, I said it after we got done, but. Yeah, you did. Hey, great work, you guys. We are immaculate today. Six minutes. Nice job. <laughs> Next thing you know, there's going to be 47 minutes on the clock. Here we go. We talk about every player about, in the history of Major League. Like, I got to do that. Put the extra minute of stoppage time. You guys spent Hockey 40 one. seconds about Babe Ruth chasing a guy at second base, and I was like, are we going to just burn the no, extra no, minute? No, ba- Babe, Babe Ruth crashed into a wall and then came back and played after being knocked out cold. He was knocked out cold, and then he came back, played the rest of the first game, and then played the second game of the doubleheader. Yeah. It was a great moment in baseball history. Also shows you, and then he had like three hits and a bomb or something afterwards. I don't know. Anyways, guys were tougher that's back your Scornar Twin Show, State of the Twins episode on this Monday here, presented by Modest Brewing, modestbrewing.com. And yeah, uh, check out the auction items up, and the, also the Buy It Now items up on our Power of Sports Courage Kenny uh, fundraiser all week long over at scornorth.com slash bid. We'll see you next time on the Scornorth Twin Show.